everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side, and boy, have we got a show for you. Today's the day. You know, every once in a while, we have this moment of convergence when everything aligns, the stars align, and we'll see. You never know if they've aligned until we actually have this guest on the phone. But here's the deal. On the show today, in just a few minutes, we have Dr. John Gottman is going to be joining us. Now, if you have ever read a marriage book in the last 40 years, odds are you've read something that John Gottman wrote or researched. He's in every, he's in every marriage relationship book, I swear. He's one of the most, I think, prolific writers and um, researchers in the field of marriage. And uh, today, the day, he's, he's on our show today. And what better timing? Because Aaron is about to get married, Juan. I'm really. I hadn't heard it the past 10,000 times. Yeah, he's getting married uh, this week. Next week. Next week. It's coming, though. Eight days. But who's counting? Not me. Now, here is the deal. Are you not terrified? You you, know? I mean, you shouldn't because you're in love. Not terrified, but it's going to be an adjustment. I'm just ready to kind of have it be done with i want to get married like it's kind of time's kind of going by slow it's like surgery mm. you just want you just want to get in there and get it cut out yeah yeah whatever, whatever. i mean well she's not going to cut my heart out hopefully oh no no no, no, no not no, like no, in no. surgery she won't cut your heart out just other she'll just, no, she'll just and stab it tendons. and let it die slowly <laughs> have you ever seen have you ever seen someone tenderize meat yeah that little mallet okay yeah the little pointy mallet thing She's going to make me. Oh, this is a good analogy. She's going to make me more tender. Your like heart. I'll become a better person, right? Is that where you're going? Yeah, yeah. that's where I was going. Oh, okay. Um, okay. That's that's, where that's I was probably going. better than where you were going. I, there was I, tried, I tried to pull it back around. <laughs> no, I appreciate know? that. And okay. you, and you need not be afraid because you're in love. And once you're in love, then you know. And then what happens? You'll always be in love. You're not going to fall out of love. I don't want to scare you. You're not. Right. You just then you'll just you, some of the chemistry will change. And it won't be like, oh, my heavens, you're perfect, love. It'll be like, wow, we've got a lot to learn with each other, love, which is that's the perfect sign, which is what John Gottman teaches. That's the mm. moment. That's the that's moment. Cool. Now you just got to learn. Now it's just learning. I guess there's stages. There's stages. stage one. And right now you're in pre-stage. Or pre-stage. You're, you're in stage, stage zero. You're in stage, stage zero in, one. Okay. 0.2.3. So what stage are you in, Matt? Z. Wait, it went from numbers to, to letters. He's gone so far, he doesn't even need numbers anymore. Oh, he just I've labels them what he wants. Then. Yeah. And Juan, you're in stage X? Uh, bro, nah, I, don't, I think I'm still in numbers. Yeah. It's you're been still. about three, almost yeah. four years. Mike's okay. in Deuteronomy. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what he's now doing over there. Which is different in the, than the, in the numbers. beginning. Yeah, in the beginning. I've passed Mike. Genesis, though, right? Uh, well, you have. Barely. You, you have. But you still seem like, I don't know, Moses wandering in the desert. <laughs> You got <laughs> what we're trying to say is you got another forty years. Yeah, until Actually, you get married. Let's give him thirty-eight more years. A- at okay. least there's an end to it, though. It's comforting. I think it's very know. comforting. I think it's very powerful to know that of the thousands of people you've dated, you have narrowed it down right now to this one wonderful young woman. That you won't tell us her name, where she lives, or anything about her. And I think that's great. 
Is she a real girl? No, or it's a real. Cyber? It's real. I'm oh, okay. just trying to protect the innocent right. here. It's just none All of right. us have seen her, heard from her, none of us know anything about we her. Need, so we need to call her up right on the now. Radio. We just call her the imaginary friend. Yeah. Until she'll come in and see us. I've showed you pictures. Well, how do we know? There's lots know? of pictures. Photoshop. I am pretty good at Photoshop. Because one of them looks a lot like my mom. Which is weird. <laughs> Little did you I know, can't, Matt. I can't. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Hey, so today we're talking about love. Hmm. And it's perfect because, again, you're in love. You feeling it? Aaron, feeling you're feeling it. it. Yeah. What is love? Well, Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Pardon? No more. What? Hold on. What? What is he saying? Hadaway. Why is he talking to me this way? Talking about love. You haven't heard that song? I'm quoting oh, is that songs a song? now. That's a oh, song. I thought you were just no. m- muttering. <laughs> I thought you were just mumbling You something. don't know that song, Matt? Mm-hmm. we got to come back with no. that. Yeah, we ought to. All right. Somebody look that up. We'll come back with all that, right. whatever that, that love song is. No, I, I'm excited. Um, it's all new, you know. And it's cool. I oh. got to hear from the doc. Teach me. Oh, you and you, <laughs> no. you and Go- Mr. Yeah, Gottman. We'll let, Gottman we'll let Dr. Gottman tell right. you because he's, he's, I don't know if you know this, but he's written books on He's it. kind of a big deal. He's, kind of, he's yeah. kind of a very big deal. Today, we're even going to be talking about what makes love I'm last because that's yeah. important to know. That's the number one thing. But right now, what I would do if I were you is I would just go with the love you got. Yeah, You know what I mean? You just go with it because this is the best love there is, the one you've got right now. I mean, for now, it's the best one you, you've got because it's – Then you have kids, I guess. And no, that's and that's a different, different kind of love. Type, type but, of love. And, and it's just – it's even better, honestly. Yeah. It's just different. Hmm. But see, right now, you go and yet you mutter those funny songs you were just singing. Right. You go just Aaron. mumble that. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Mike. And then you need to – and you provide a good example. And then someday you'll be like Juan. And then Juan mm-hmm. someday will be like me. Mm-hmm. And then Mike will someday be like you. So Aaron. who are you aspiring to be like? <laughs> I want to be like John Matt, Gottman. John Gottman. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. I see this pattern. See? So he's like past levels. It's kind of like generations. Like he's huh. a generation. I'm a generation. Juan's a generation. And then, you know, you guys are all millennials. Mm. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> you like shake your head like millennials are bad. We, we get a bad rap. No, it's you okay, don't. Though. Yeah, you do get a bad rap. But some of it's deserved. But some yeah. of it's not. And luckily none of you listen to my show. Only because I have to. <laughs> I'm like, how you many lock, millennials are out there right room. now? Yeah, very few are out there listening to my show right now. Uh, but, I count three. Yeah, Aaron, myself. Well, and you know, and Maddie is. I was just responding oh, to questions. I'm not actually listening. Is that the same thing? No, oh. not at all. Okay. What's after millennials? Wouldn't that be Maddie? Post millennials. Post millennials. Mm-hmm. I think they call that um, revelations. Yeah, <laughs> we're going biblical again. It's mm. it's the final war, the final countdown, the final countdown. It's the final. So, countdown. There we go. Down. So there's a that song. helps. Well, you that, like feel the emotion. You, you quote feel. music. And you're going. Well, yeah, but yeah, okay. But I actually sang it. If you notice, you oh, were just yeah. mumbling like, the words. I was, you can't I was mumble the poetic, words. I know, you know, but you're mumbling the words about love and looking what in my eyes. Love? And I, felt I think we should try and see how many song titles we can work into the show today. Let's do about it. love. I think we could get pretty high number up there I, i'm confident in us be, well let's do a it whole segment for heaven's sakes hey um one of the things though we we've assigned maddie to do something really interesting mm-hmm. we've asked maddie to go because she's got a friend that she likes a lot that she may feel like she's in love with even maybe she's not here to defend herself that's away on an lds mission and so she has this kind of this distant relationship right mm-hmm. so We've asked her to just put together a piece and just talk to us about trying to love someone from a distance. People say real love can make it through anything, that it's stronger than anything, even distance. I'm here to tell you that while this is true, it's easier said than done. 
It doesn't matter if it's a romantic love, a friend love, family love, or even a more general love. Distance can be one of the hardest things on that love. It can strain it, change it, fade it, and sometimes ruin it. I've had my fair share of experiences with distant love, from my dad going out of town on business, to spending a month away from all my friends and family in Europe, to moving away to college, to having my best friend move away to Japan for two years and only being able to talk weekly. Loving across a distance has taught me a few things about love in general and how to make a long-distance love work. Number one, love takes effort. It doesn't come easy and it's not simple. It's not meant to be. People always say, love should be the easiest thing you do, but I don't believe that. I think if you love someone, you're going to put in the effort to make it work. Love is hard, because the only thing harder is being alone. Number two, communication is the only way to survive. Things are easily misinterpreted across a distance. Being honest, straightforward, and kind in your communication is the only way to make it work. And ignoring the other person will be your downfall. Don't do it. Number three. Trust is key. If you don't trust someone before they are a long ways away, that mistrust will only grow. Work on the trust in your relationship constantly and work on being more trusting and open and vulnerable instead of trying to protect yourself. Number four, evaluate. Have a weekly or monthly discussion about how your love is doing, what you need from the other person, what you can do better, and things like that. By constantly talking and trying not to get offended by what the other person wants you to work on, you're able to grow together in your love and happiness. Number five, don't be afraid to feel. It's important to let yourself feel things, and then after all that emotion is felt, you can evaluate it. It's important to talk to the other person about your emotions in the most loving, calm way possible. By allowing yourself to maybe feel angry or sad or really, really happy, You're allowing yourself to be yourself, and you can move forward in a relationship once you're confident in yourself. And by talking about your emotions, the other person isn't having to guess what you're thinking or feeling. You can both know. Number six, try not to be annoyed with the other person. This is really hard, especially when you can't see them, when you can't talk to them the way you'd like to, and you can't resolve things in a face-to-face way. If you're getting annoyed, be the most kind, sickly sweet person you can muster. It'll force you to be there for the other person and they'll be able to understand what you need and you'll be able to understand what they need. If you feel yourself getting annoyed, maybe take a small walk before you say anything else. You don't want to damage the relationship over the distance. Number seven, make time. This can be hard, but when you have time to give to the other person, devote it to them. When you're on the phone or texting, make sure you're talking and listening, not doing a million other things at once. It's important to take time out of your busy schedule for the person and make sure they feel like they're being devoted to during that time. Number eight, be supportive from afar. Do what you can to make sure they know you're there for them, no matter the distance. My best friend is really, really good at this. Always constantly seeing what he can do to be supportive for me, making sure I feel cared about and looked after. Number nine, set the rules. Make some rules of what both of you are comfortable with while you're apart. Maybe you want to text every few hours. Maybe you need to set rules about going out at nights or what movies you watch, etc. The important thing is that the other person is comfortable and that you're comfortable with what they're doing as well. You're probably going to disagree on some things or not understand why the other person is uncomfortable. 
That's called compromise. Your love is worth the compromise, isn't it? Number 10, be happy. Maybe this isn't the ideal situation, but don't keep waiting until the day when the distance is done. Figure out what is great about right now and be happy with your love today. Don't wait for some future time when you're together to decide to be happy. Sometimes it's hard for me not to count down the days until I'm reunited with my best friend again. But then I look at all the things I've learned about love, and I'm thankful for the chance I've had to be separated. I look at our love as stronger, more ready to take on anything, and I'm thankful. Distance is never easy, and love is never easy. Combining them together can make it incredibly hard. But if you really, really work at it, your love across a distance can be one of the best things ever. Well done, Maddie. Long distance love. It's hard. I don't like it. I had a long distance love with my wife, and then we got married. I came back from my mission. She was just waiting. So she wrote your, really. your whole mission. Yeah, she wrote. Yeah, she wrote. Me. Okay. And boom, bada boom, boom, bada bing. Followed all of her stuff, didn't even have the list. Now the rest of you out there have the list. But here's the deal. We have to go because we're going to take a break and we're going to come back. In fact, right now they're getting him on the line. John Gottman. Dr. John Gottman's going to be joining us. Marriage expert, marriage researcher. If you have ever read or, or looked at any book on marriage, this guy probably wrote it. He is the man, the myth, the legend. We are honored to have him. We're going to see if we can get him on the line. We're going to be talking love today. We're also going to be giving Aaron some... Um, some love advice for the guy that's about to get married. I'm so excited. Eight days away. Woo. Back with John Gottman right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, have we got a a surprise for you? Holy cow! We've hit the big leagues, folks. Dr. John Gottman is going to be joining us right now. Um, Again, you know, I'm a relationship coach. I do a lot of marriage education, tons of classes. And uh, when I was putting all of this together... I, uh, years ago, I I just was infatuated. That sounds weird. I was in love with a certain set of principles and theories and the work of one good Dr. John Gottman and read everything I think he's ever written. Probably not. But uh, apparently, actually, I've missed a few. Dr. John Gottman is one of the top 10 most influential therapists of the past quarter century, according to Psychotherapy Networker. He is the author of 190 published uh, academic articles and the author or co-author of 40 books, including some bestsellers like The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, one of my favorites, by the way, a must-read, I think, for all couples, What Makes Love Last?, The Relationship Cure, Why Marriages Succeed or Fail, and Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child, and um, fell in love with the the guy's work. He really is, I think, just has a profound knowledge of marriage, of relationships. And then he and his wife, Dr. Julie Schwartz-Gottman, have put together a program at the Gottman Institute where they're, they're teaching, um, they're teaching classes. This is, you know, he was a professor. Now he's a professor emeritus of psychology at the University of Washington. But while he was there, he put together a lab called the Love Lab. 
And uh, in this lab, he'd bring couples in and they'd study them. They'd turn on cameras. They'd watch how they would talk. And in that process, did a lot of research and has changed a lot of lives. So we're honored to have him. Dr. John Gottman, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. I really uh, appreciate being here. You bet. It's We are truly honored. And when I thought, oh, who could I get on my show? You were one of the first people I thought, we've got to have him. Especially, and we're not going to make it too awkward, but we have someone on the show that is getting married in eight days, John. Oh, really? Wow. Yes. So Aaron's here. He's one of our producers on the show here at BYU Radio. And uh, Aaron, say hi to Dr. Gottman. Hey, Dr. Gottman. Hi, Aaron. Hey. Your brave soul. I know. It's coming right up. <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking is, how, what better to learn than take John Gottman, the guru, the master, even though I'm sure you hate to hear that as an academic, <laughs> but somebody really well-studied and re- well-versed. What, what's the first thing he needs to know, John? So Aaron's going out, getting married in eight days. Talk, talk to us about love. Kind of, I know you. I know you have a, a different paradigm, maybe than most, about what love is. Well, uh, you know, I don't know if I have a different idea about what love is, but what I would say, the most important thing for Aaron uh, to think about is, you know, every single uh, couple that I see in therapy, Matt, has left their partner in pain for many years. Yeah. And the masters have somehow communicated to their partner, you know, honey, when when you're hurting, when you're angry at me, when you're upset with me or disappointed, the world stops and I listen. Mm. And that's the motto, I think, to go into a marriage with, you know, which is really viewing your partner's disappointment or anger or upset as an invitation to get closer and to just stop and say, okay, talk to me, baby. I love that. It's because it's not saying, to me, that is love, right? Love isn't just always having the feeling necessarily. Maybe sometimes it's just being willing to when you see the pain, which would be the opposite maybe sometimes of love, you're willing to go in and figure it out, find out what's going on. Right, right. And listen non-defensively. I mean, I think that's the real work in relationships. I work on it with my wife, too, even to this day. Yeah. Uh, we've been together 20, 28 years, and, you know, I still have to work on my own defensiveness to say, you know, uh, yeah, you know, she's right a lot of the time. Just <laughs> listen, you know, and yeah. she, you love her, and she's in pain right now. Just, you know, get but- in touch with your feelings of protection and, you know, and love for her and... You know, and listen, but that, that, that's <laughs> it. We got something important to tell you. Yeah, that, that, that's what that really is what I'm learning of, from a lot of what you teach. And then even Sue Johnson and her work with yeah. attachment. I mean, what it is, it seems like that's that hurts so many of our relationships is our fear, our pain. Right. It's the pain kind of body that ends up. And then the inability to deal with that with each other. Yeah, those are the moments when you really want to turn toward your partner. Yeah. And realize that, you know, this isn't just a pain in the neck, you know, and you should walk away. It, this is an opportunity to get closer, to learn how to love better. Oh. And, and, like, I love hearing that you struggle with it because... I do. Well, I think everyone does, right? But I guess, I guess that's the key is admit it, acknowledge it, and then yep. step into it. Well, Julie and I do uh, this couples workshop. Yeah. We've been doing it for 18 years, five times a year. And in the second day, we always talk about an argument we had and (laughs) work it out in front of the audience. And we're trying to say to people, hey, you know, we're just like you and you and your partner. We're we're all in the same soup. You know, we're... (laughs) 
you know, we have to work on making the relationship better. It doesn't come easily. Do you pick a you you pick a new argument every time you do it? Yeah, and we're never holy cow. <laughs> no, but that is so real. That is because that's vulnerable, right? You've got to yeah. stand up there and and because it wouldn't be real faking an old one. That's right. That's right. We really we take we take one that we haven't talked about. You know. So. Yeah. Hey. Uh, we say, oh, this is a good one. Let's do that, you know, <laughs> next workshop. Do you guys choose it together, or do you, does one of you just throw it out there? Hey, no, let's do we this do one. It together. We talk yeah. to each other. Oh, and I we love work that. through it. That's great. And, and then we're going to ask the audience to do the same thing. So yeah. they've got to see us doing it. And, you know, we're not any better than anybody else. We use the same tools that we're teaching uh, in our own relationship. Well, and again, because they're really principles, and these principles right. can work. It's just you're still human, and you have to you have to just kind of break down your own fears, right? Your own. Yeah. And, and and what I love about what you teach too, though, is the the predictability of it. I mean, you can right. re, you can tell with a very high accuracy how someone's going to do in their marriage or how how they their divorce potential. That's right. Exactly. So, you know, it's not very complicated, but, you know, you really have to put some thought into it. You know, you've got to really, um, you know, think before you say something, you know, and think to yourself, okay, so, you know, I, I need to be gentle with this person. And, you know, how do I do this? And, you know, the major repair tool of it all is taking responsibility for a part of the problem. Is it? That's, that's the major to tool. Partner, hey, you yeah. know, you got a good point. You know, tell me more. Uh, okay, yeah, probably was kind of grumpy. Uh, you know, maybe I really should get off my computer when you know. Yeah. When you're asking me to listen to you, or yeah, I probably can't listen to you too well while while I'm reading the morning paper. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> You've know, got you a got point a there. Point. Yeah. So, you know, rather than saying, "Oh, you know, you're full of it. I'm a great listener. I listen to you all the time. You're always, yeah. you're always negative. You know, I'm sick of it." <laughs> then you're already so the simple idea of just owning or taking responsibility for your part of it right. immediately makes it so. I guess you're not you're not immediately defending. You're not making up the story. You're not creating an argument. And that's it's really huge when women do that for men. When a woman takes responsibility and says to a guy. You know, hey, honey, you know, I know this isn't all your fault. That is music to a mm. guy's ears. He <laughs> loves to hear that. Oh, boy. I hope you're, your fiancé is listening, Aaron, because this could be very, very important. Um, talk to me, John, about this word you use, attunement. Yeah, that that is an interesting thing. You know, we discovered that um, how do you build trust in a relationship? And the answer is that you've got to really be there for your partner. You've got to be thinking about your partner's interests, not only your own, and you've got to have your partner's back. So, you know, when your partner's mad at you or upset with you or, you know, just feeling lonesome and, you know, like things aren't going right, when you say to your partner, just what I've been saying, which is talk to me, baby. Yeah. I'm listening. I'm taking notes. And I actually do. I do, I actually yeah. get a yellow pad and a, and a pen. And I say to Julie, okay, I'm taking notes. And the more defensive I feel, the more I write down everything yeah. she's saying. That's good. That's a great practice. <laughs> and, you know, and then I make sure I've got it, because usually I miss about a third of it, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm upset when she's telling me that I've done something wrong. Yeah. But, you know, it's been many years, and she's right a lot more than she's wrong. I'll oh, yeah. That. Isn't that? Uh, but And luckily... 
because yeah. you're getting a whole you're getting twice as much good or at least opportunity for good. Yeah, she's a, she's a smart lady. So well, that's you know, why you married her. You're not a dummy. That's uh, right. So I listen to her, and I think that's the basis for building trust. Is this attunement means you listen without judgment, and you believe that there's always two points of view in every you know every interaction you have. There's always two different perspectives. You got two brains. Yeah, and they don't. The chances that your two brains are in sync is very small. Mm, it's true. <laughs> so there's really no such thing as, you know, these soulmates that yeah. sort of are in harmony all the time. You know, most of the time, you know, we're not in sync and we hurt each other's feelings, not meaning to. So we got to repair. We got to sit down and say, well, honey, that sucked, you know, so yeah. how about a piece of cheesecake? <laughs> Let's talk this over. Let's, Let's talk this over. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. We're talking with Dr. John Gottman. Really um, extraordinary opportunity for all of us as listeners today. We're going to take a break. We're coming back more with John and just more insight. I really, for a guy that's researched for 40 years and has been in so many studies, I'm dying to hear just what's, you know, what, what is in his mind. We'll be back. More with John. Again, go check out his website, www.gottman.com. He's got workshops, classes there, books, events, all of these things to help you create more attunement in your relationships. We're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. More in a few minutes with Dr. John Gottman right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Incredible guest today. Dr. John Gottman is on the phone with us. Again, there's no end to all of the accolades that I can read just from his bio. He's won every Distinguished Award, Distinguished Contributor, Distinguished Research Scientist Award. He's, He's fascinating, I think, too, because... To be in the industry 40 years and then – but to also not just be an academic. That's one of the things that's that's hard, I think, about research is sometimes your research becomes so impractical. But so meanwhile, he's been practicing, right, John? You're practicing well, I'm, you know, everything. I'm, I'm trying to think now what is Aaron worried about as he – as he's walking to the altar in just it's eight days. It's a great question, Aaron. Well, I want to hear. Yeah. You know, I'm usually pretty hard on myself. I want to know how I, and a lot of the stuff you said, Dr. Gottman's really good about kind of taking the moments of pain to grow closer. I guess I, I fear like, I don't really, I guess, fear as much as wondering how to get past those hard moments and not, I guess it's just talk about it, not be wor- af- afraid of talking. Because um, I'm always, yeah. I don't know. What, what do you recommend for eating past arguments or... Well, I, I recommend going to, you know, um, Home Depot and getting a clipboard and a yellow pad and a pen, <laughs> and you know, just it's very simple and listening to her, you know, when okay. when she's upset, you know, and it's you know, it, there's a there's a real difference between men and women, and I think women are, you know, see a lot more danger in the world than we guys do. We we tend to be protected by testosterone you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we like to take risks and jump out of airplanes and stuff like that women you know are really designed you know to protect our young you know and so they're they see more danger in the world and they you know they're they're twice as likely to get depressed as men are too hmm. 
And so I think if we just kind of, you know, roll with the punches, you know, and if she's if she's upset or she's had a you know bad dream or you know whatever is going on, we're just going to listen. And you know, I think the art of listening is really a dying art. And if we can listen and really try to understand with empathy and love, yeah, <clears throat> that's really all it takes. I, I, and I, you know, and then having fun together. Yeah, and, and you, um, man's alive too. <laughs> yeah. See, well, I guess that's one of the keys to this, huh? Is it's not like you're just the, the fighting is actually it's not you don't want to have a relationship without some discord. You want to just be able to work through it, right? I mean, because the happy marriages still have contention; they just well, learn yeah. how I to mean, deal with know, it. Just because there's two brains, that, right? You know, very unlikely that you're going to really be in sync. Even identical twins, we've studied them; they're genetically identical. They have arguments, do they? Sure. I'd love to see the fight between twins. Um, It's on anything, right? It's any topic. Yeah. (laughs) It's talk about your you've done so much work with uh, communication. And um, but what stands out for you, John, as one of your great learnings like that, like for you? I mean, it's what's so funny is when you say it's just listening. It's so you're you're not uh, saying that simplicity. I I, I think it's also continuing courtship. And continuing to really, you know, really notice what your partner is doing for you. And, you know, getting up in the morning and saying, you know, baby, you look really hot in that thing you're wearing. You know, I'm having all these lewd thoughts about you. <laughs> and yeah. taking the time, even when you have children, to to go on overnights and have a getaway. Julie and I do an annual honeymoon every year. This is the 15th year we'll be going to the same bed and breakfast. Oh, neat. And the same, you know, the same room, we rent the same room and we bring our kayak and we, you know, we paddle along on the ocean and we listen to each other and we just have fun. That's beautiful. And, you know, go to art galleries and, uh, you know, we enjoy cooking together. So it's also really sort of continuing play and romance and adventure in your life, knowing what your wife's bucket list is, knowing what her dreams are. Yeah. And, you know, really making making life meaningful together. You you talk about like making a map. Right. Talk exactly. about that because again, it the, the whole thing you your whole approach seems more like it's not a destination, it's a journey. It is. So right. we kind of exactly. need to, we need to do a bunch of things through the journey and if we just keep living these principles, the journey's going to work eventually. I mean, it's going to work as you go. Yeah, make a map of your of your partner's internal world. Like ask questions, you know, like Honey, you know, uh, how do you like how do you like this house we're living in? How would you change it if you could? Um, you know, where do you want us to be in three to four years? Um, how mm. have you changed in the last couple of years? What are you thinking about right now? What's on your mind? What's worrying you? And you know, what are some things that have really given you pleasure? And you know, in your life, and some things you look forward to, and just. Listening to the answers to those questions and asking more questions, being a being a tourist in the landscape of your partner's mind. You know, we go on, we we go to a town in Italy, you know, and we're we're filled with questions like, who built that church? Yeah. You know, where's that? And where's the market? You know, uh-huh. and what do they make here? And and you know, who are these people all about? What's their music like? Well, we need to be that kind of active tourist in our partner's mind, hmm. and that continues courtship and love and romance and you know and sex is important 
Yeah. All of that is, is really important. And letting our partner know that they're desirable to us. Well, and, yeah, and especially, and, and just asking these questions as you were doing that list, I'm thinking, that's how you're attuned, because you know, you're, you're, you've, you ask. How many of us don't ask? That's right. And then we just are so surprised that they're thinking that. That's right, exactly. And you have to really live with the differences. You have to be able to accept the ways in which you're really different from one another and, you know, not try to, not try to make your partner over in your own image, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really appreciate the difference. differences. I mean, my partner is, a, uh, my wife is an athlete, you know, and she was a downhill skiing racer. Oh, wow. Going down, going down <laughs> slopes at 60 miles an hour. You know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a wimp, you know, I, when, when You're I an academic. on a vacation, I want, I want a really luxurious hotel. I yeah. want room service. You sound like me. <laughs> She's an adventurer. She yeah. went up to Mount Everest base camp. Oh, wow. And other women, you know, I wouldn't go there no way. on rocks. People We're die up there. You know? Yeah. And yet, you know, there are ways in which she's helped me really appreciate nature. And, you know, I guess I've helped her kind of learn that the world is more dangerous than she thinks it is. <laughs> yeah. You're playing the role now, aren't you, of the one that sees it as dangerous? <laughs> right. I think, it, I, well, I think, too, it's so beautiful that, um, that you can, you, you can just sometimes accept the difference. Like, yeah, you can right. work on the ones you have to work on or that you can work on, but there's some you just are going to always be different on. How are you and your fiancé different, Aaron? Um... Oh wow, that's a good question. Um, you know, man, can I think for a second while you, you and Matt talk? Well, can I, I come you back? Know what, John, I maybe, think about it. He may be at the stage where there are no differences. See, that's the thing. Infatuations, you know, probably taking a big role right now. But <laughs> I'm sure we'll find out yeah. things when we're married that might end up being bumps along the road. So that's right. That's um, right. I mean, you know, uh, you know, a very famous family therapist, a guy named Salvador Mnuchin, said mm-hmm. every marriage is a mistake. You know, it, but it's what you do with the mistakes that matters. It's you know, there's all these mismatches. Isn't that? But it, it sounds cynical, but it's right. Every, I mean, because we don't know what we're, we don't know who we're marrying. That's we don't even know who we exactly. are, right? We don't know what we're bringing to this marriage. That's a great yeah, quote. And, and you grow together, too, over time. Yeah. You know, I mean, every marriage is probably three or four or five marriages as you, yeah. you go through all the stages of life together. Is there a harder... I mean, is there, is there, what does the research show about which, which stage is harder, or does it just depend on? Well, it's really when kids arrive that yeah. that's the big challenge. We found that two-thirds of couples, <clears throat> when the first baby arrives, in the first three years of the baby's life, have a big drop in relationship happiness. They fight more. There is more hostility. And one-third of them don't. Hmm. And... You know, part of what we did was we studied the one-third who sailed through this transition. To yeah. And, we, and based upon those differences, we created this workshop called Bringing Baby Home. And in two days, we can reverse that, all that change. Really? For 77% of couples, in two days, we can change all that. And oh. then if we add a support group, we get up to 85% success. And we end postpartum depression and all kinds of other things as a result of this. It's which tells you it's it's I guess it's it's um, it's do it's a skill it's behavioral it's something we can change exactly and you know and it's a big thing when you know when a baby arrives I mean people really change a lot oh yeah you know we fall in love with this little creature and you know suddenly we're a father yeah. rather than just a son 
suddenly we're a mother instead of just a daughter and everything changes and you know you become so vulnerable like other parents if something happened to this baby you know it would be devastating so you join the brotherhood the sisterhood of all the other parents on the planet hmm. in an instant yeah amazing transformation <laughs> it is isn't it and and then and then it almost magnifies some of your weaknesses your fears your insecurities exactly. yeah right exactly uh, and and then we're supposed to do it together and then a lot of other differences appear like oh you're letting him climb that that's yeah, right. he shouldn't climb that. <laughs> That's what That's she huge. says. And he says, nah, you know, let him, He's let fine. him walk there, you know. Uh, go ahead, kid, you know. You're great. You've got a diaper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's good. We're talking with Dr. John Gottman. We're going to take a break. Again, we're giving Aaron a little tutoring eight days before he gets married. He's got John Gottman. I'm loving it. I know. He's, you wow. should see the notes he's taking, I'm Dr. Taking Gottman. Notes. He is, he's going to owe, we'll, we'll write you a check. Yeah. We'll send, we'll send you a check. More with Dr. Gottman after this break. Again, we're trying to figure out love, understand the power of our marriages, our relationships being taught by the best. Dr. John Gottman, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Good stuff. Aaron's here today, eight days from the big wedding day, and we decided, hey, let's just let's go get John Gottman and have John just answer some questions for him. But uh, Dr. John Gottman is joining us, uh, one of the greatest, I think, of all time. Uh, uh, oh, thank you, Matt. I really appreciate that. I really do. And again, I've read so much of your stuff, but I also just love your heart and your spirit about it because th- there's something... Um, we, it doesn't feel like we quite get what love is. And I think we well, always kind just... kind of a mystery. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it is. And yet everyone is in search of it. So maybe just give us a little insight. Um, I know in your book, What Makes Love Last, you talk about, I think it's five things that, that, are, that are five steps that are critical. Do you, do you want to talk about that? I mean, what are some of the things that we, we've got to have in order to make sure... We've, we've already talked about communication a bit. We've talked about some of the attunement. What else do we need to have? Uh, we've talked about rituals and reconnecting. What else? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it is um, really cherishing what you have. And a lot of people, you know, instead of nurturing gratitude for what they have with their partner, they nurture resentment for what's missing. Mm. And, you know, and instead of cherishing their partner and, you know, really sort of thinking about all the wonderful qualities that their partner has and kind of going over that in your mind and magnifying it and then saying, well, I can live with the stuff that isn't perfect. I'm not perfect either. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, really putting a fence between yourself and other relationships. The, the people who nurture resentment for what's missing are never making a commitment to that person. Hmm. And I think that aside from trust, that commitment is the really important thing. And that, that's literally building a barrier. And yeah. have children, have a home together. But, you know, they're still always thinking when, you know, when there's an argument or something doesn't go right, they're thinking, I can do better. Mm-hmm. And, and so those people really haven't chosen this path. Fully. Yeah, you have to get in, don't you? To, you can only get as much intimacy out 
as you can give the risk, I guess, in. Just like the Beatles said, right? You know, what you take is what you make. That's right. No, it's (laughs) true. You're really in it to love rather than to be loved. Just like with your kids, you know, you're there. You're really there to love your kid. You know, you're not thinking, what can I get out of my kid? Yeah. Uh, You know, you're there to give love. And that's really what, you know, that's really what grace is, is the ability to love. It's And why is it, John, that we don't see – I mean, we see that relationship with our parents. We're just kind of there to give them support when they need it. We see it with our grandparents, with our children. But what is it about the intimate relationship, the romantic partner that just makes us so selfish? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's really that we, we don't make it a, as much of a priority as we ought to. Mm. <clears throat> you know, we – we put our work first, we put our friends first, or we put our, you know, our, our other interests first, and, um, and we don't spend the time to really nurture that relationship. And it really does take time, and it takes energy. So, you know, how many couples, you know, don't do the weekly date, you know, and, right. and don't do a getaway at a, you know, a great romantic setting, just, or just a B&B, you know, down the street. Yeah. And, you know, really go for a walk and really listen and talk and, you know, really make that as much a priority as working out and being healthy. Um, I think that's the secret is to keep connecting um, <clears throat> throughout life. And it seems like with your kids, um, I, I was as, as you were explaining these stories about going out with your wife and on the canoe and all of the talking you guys do, even when you're having an argument, even to have your children be able to see you handle an emotionally difficult situation with intelligence. I mean, it almost seems like one of your most important books you may have ever written was the raising an emotionally intelligent child. And everything you're teaching us is the modeling of that for our children. That would inherently create that. really tune in when when your kids have an emotion. Yeah. Because that's, most parenting books are about discipline. But, you know, even if you were a perfect disciplinarian, all you'd accomplish is getting obedient children. Yeah. And we want so much more from our kids. We want, you know, them to really, you know, like themselves and yeah. respect other people and, you know, and to, you know, explore their interests and to have a meaningful life and and have good values. And you just can't get that out of discipline. No. The magic moments are when they have an emotion to say, hey, sweetheart, what's going on? You know, what what are you thinking? What are you feeling? You know, the other day I uh, I asked an audience, how many of you remember what it's like to be a child? And only about four people raised their hands out of 50. Oh, wow. And I asked them, you know, how many of you had somebody in your life who really listened to you and took you seriously when you were a kid? And every one of them had somebody. And they, their eyes filled with tears as they thought about their grandmother or their grandfather or some teacher who was really special. Mm. Such an unusual thing for kids to have an adult who really listens to them. So I that, mean, the that, same thing is true in, in a love relationship. That, and that's probably what we're all looking for, huh? Is yeah, that, the key. that partner like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I guess that is that is the grace you're talking about to finally have somebody that can bring that peace, that acceptance, that just the safety to let you be you. 
Exactly. That's very well said, Matt. Well, I, I love the way you said well, that. Well, I learned it from you, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> well, you know, it really is true. I mean, you know, you're, you're more yourself when you're with somebody who, you know, really likes you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a very interesting thing. Do you, how many marriages, percentage-wise, would you sense have that person, have that relationship? Is, it, is this rare? Somewhere between 30 and 40%. Really? Is, yeah. It's not the majority. Yeah. Because most people really just, you know, get put by. The relationship second. They yeah. take it for granted. Yeah. And the masters don't. They really work on it. That's they what you really call them, the masters, huh? That's a great name. The masters. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I read recently was that, you know, that high price call girls say that the major fantasy their their customers want is for them to pretend that they love them. Oh, my heavens. You know, here they are paying, How paying somebody yeah. and they love them for a couple of hours when you can have that for free as long as you give love. I mean, yeah. that, that was one of the saddest findings I ever read. Oh, I know. that is That just shows how desperate so many are to have that connected, attuned partner. Right, exactly. And, and yet, too, we just need to kind of, we need to be that, right? I mean, I guess we begin by being it, not expecting it. Yes, I think you're right. And we, we, we can all expect it to happen, but maybe it's easier to kind of coach someone to be what you need once you're being that for them. Yeah, I think it, I think it kind of happens. There's a reciprocity because, you know, once you, you know, once you're kind to your partner, then, you know, oxytocin flows. Yeah, yeah. Once you... Once you hug your partner or hold hands or touch, um, you both benefit. Oh, that's amazing. Like Shakespeare said, the quality of mercy is not strained. Yeah. You know, when you're merciful to others, they're merciful to you, and you both benefit. Oh. And again, that, you know, that we lift the marriages that way, we lift the families that way, we lift the world that way. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we've got about three minutes, so I want to know just— um, what else, John? What else do you think Aaron needs to know? And, and just the world. I mean, what's going on in the mind of an emeritus professor that's now, by the way, now now you're probably home more with your wife. You probably see her more than yeah, ever. We actually have decided to travel less and be home more and, you know, get out get out in the boat more and, yeah. <laughs> you know, kayak more and, and uh, build community more here. We live, we live on this little island. Oh, wow. It's up in beautiful. Are you up in Washington? Yeah, Neat. it's called Orcas Island. Mm-hmm. Quite a beautiful place. So uh, yeah, it's really nice, you know, uh, to be getting old together and uh, and still enjoying each other's company. Yeah. Well, it's so a I would, good goal. I would tell Aaron that the, one of the most important things he can do is find out what his fiance's dreams are. What are our life dreams? Do you know that, Aaron? Well, I'm starting to learn. You know, little they have, I guess, things like a, the dream house or yeah. you know, how many kids you want to have. But I think it's going to probably develop as we get married. Because right now, I, I feel like it's a lot of the chemical. As I talked to Matt, you know, you have that chemical and infatuation stage. Right. So once I get past that, maybe I'll discover the deeper things, really, that are her dreams as I ask her. Yeah. That sound about right? Secret to ask her. Okay. You know. There's a great movie called Don Juan DeMarco. 
you know, and there's a moment in it when Marlon Brando asks Faye Dunaway, you know, what are your dreams? And she says, I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) That's a great line. It's a great line, you know. I mean, here's a great question you can ask your wife. What can I do next week to make you feel more loved? Oh, wow. Try asking that question every week. Okay. Well, look how vulnerable that is. Like, I guess I should have known that. Or, the, but you're you're communicating. I'm in. I'm in. Right. I'm into you. That's right. That's right. And you'll be surprised that she always has something to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know? so it's amazing. You think you think we'd eventually top it out, but no, apparently not. Well, no, she's got something to say. You know. And yeah. You got. Oh well, I never would have thought of that. Yeah. Wow. That's good <laughs> okay. insight. <laughs> well, and just the, I, I love it. I love what I love what you've done, and um, I mean, I think Aaron's floored. He just he right. just had a yeah. private tutoring from Dr. Great. John. I know. Well, good luck. Thank Best you so much, luck. Doctor John, and, and thank you so much, and thank you just for your work. Keep it up. Keep changing the world, my friend. Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate, appreciate you being on and your show. You bet, and take care of your wife as well and family. Thank you. Bye-bye. Much much luck to you, John. And um, really, folks. Uh, isn't it amazing when you kind of um, you think of everything that John knows, every study he's read, every little statistic he knows, in the end what he comes up to is people just want to be loved. And we've got to step into that space. We've got to be present. It's not about the chemistry. We've got to step in. We've got to start making the difference in our lives. Um, cherishing what you have, being grateful for what you have. <sighs> Good stuff. Man. Okay. We're taking a break. When we come back... We got a lot on the show. First, we're going to come back. Can men and women be friends? We think they can. And then Julie Nelson's in the house. The mom bomb, we call her. The uh, the the child whisperer. What do we call her? The child whisperer. She also brought treats. I think it was to celebrate John Gottman, but John's not here. So I'll have to eat John's. Good stuff. We're taking a break. Back more on love right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. And today, we're talking love. We're talking love. We just had the guru of love. He was great. Yeah, John Gottman. Wow. And now, you know, Julie's mad because Julie didn't get to talk to him. I don't know. Did did you get to talk to him? Oh, you're going to still talk to They're him? They're working okay. it out. Uh, Julie had some marriage issues she wanted to work out just on the phone. <laughs> She's laughing. Um, which I, <laughs> I didn't know. She didn't say, but she brought treats, I think, to compensate to get to a little free time with him. She should just ask Aaron because Aaron just had his own session. And Aaron didn't bring any treats. So It was really good, too. Are you mm. eating? I can hear you eating. Holy cow. Stop no that? food in the studios. Come hey, on. Hey, um, today, though, we're, we're talking really all day. kinds of love. And we, we're going to our, um, our, our second great love guru. 
Actually, our third. Oh, our, come on. Our, no, you're the third after James because James is – he's a doctor with a K I can go passion. get a, a fake degree too. Would that put me could, – could I be tied for second at least then? Well, I think he has more than a degree. Well, I've got in-the-field experience here. Yeah, but he actually has passion. Okay. That's different. Mm. That's anyway. Different. That's hard to trump. So here's the question, and I have to ask you because nobody has probably dated more girls than you. Probably. At least nobody, I don't know, on this campus yeah. of 40,000 people. Much has, less for a radio show. Yeah. So. And the luck of the draw, the fact that we have you here. Here's the question. Can men and women... Just be friends. You know, it's funny. If you ask everyone... And we got to hear... I'm. By the way... We're going to have to talk to Julie about Julie's this. Julie's going to... Yeah. Because you know she'll have an opinion on it. Because we're friends, but we're both married. And she just tapped me. Like, that was good. So, um, okay. So, what's your answer? So, so short answer, I'm going to say... Just one uh, word. No. That's a short answer. Um, but if you look, you know, th- that's what the, the last 20 years of, of yeah. romantic comedies have been fueled on. And let's say why. Kinda, why? Why now? Because men are pigs. Uh, the short answer, yes. Men, the, men can't handle themselves. Can, can, do you think women can handle just being friends with men? Studies show, yes, they can. Can they, You know why? Sometimes not. Angels. Most of the time, angels. They're angels. Men, pigs. Mm. Women, angels. I don't know. That sums it up. Why can't a man, like, just have a friend? You know what it is? He can. He just can't be attracted to her. Well, well, times are changing. Okay, I mean, the, all the studies that were done kind of on this were done 15 years ago. And so it's a lot different now. I mean, if you look back in the 60s, 50s, uh, yeah. opposite sex relationships, totally unheard of. Just yeah. wasn't possible. Right. You couldn't do it. Um, but, you know, uh, my best friend's wedding, just friends, uh, Ross and Rachel from friends, uh-huh. you know, uh, you, you know, the media yeah. says you can't do it. That was but the 80s right there. Science 90s. says... Uh, it's possible, but you have, you have to work at it. Yeah. But, and, but naturally, if you're attracted to somebody, it's really hard. Well, Matt, do you believe in friendship, love? Huh? You know, friendship, <laughs> attraction. That's kind of... Like, like a bromance? Yeah. Like, you're like, not talking uh, about us. Between two guys. No, you and Juan. No, like Juan Whoa, and I Don't have, drag me into this Juan triangle here. Juan and I have a little bromance. But it's kind of like, well, I, I don't think it's love. I think it's just this really strong affinity. We just like each other. Exactly. And that we is We watch what the World Cup together. Friendships right. are built off of. Okay. In, in a study done in 2003 by Heidi Reeder, uh, she's a communications professor at Boise State, she surveyed uh, a few hundred students and they found that there's four t- different types of attractions that can be found between friends okay here we go mm. and the first one is just what i said and that's kind of friendship attraction that's what yeah. you'd feel between a good uh same-sex friend like yeah. bromance kind yeah. of a thing uh two good guy friends or two good uh good girlfriends uh now number two 14 percent uh current romantic attraction okay that's that's what fourteen percent of the uh, applicants said or the participants have have that kind of a friendship, but they also have an attraction. They they have a desire to become a couple with their friend. Okay, hmm. be go- just Juan. Let's be clear. I have no uh, desire to become a couple. Nor do I. Okay. Okay. So that's we're not in that group. Check. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Keep going. And uh, number number three. So a third. They felt uh, subjective, physical, or sexual attraction. So a third of the people. So that means they that, likey, but they don't want to go into a romantic kind of 
uh, relationship. Scenario, that, right. Yeah. Okay. But they they feel that attraction. Number four, uh, more than 50% felt uh, objective physical or sexual attraction, which basically means that they're not into their friend, but they can totally see why someone else would be. Wow. Because, you know, mm. this is why I don't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any fr- I mean, because uh, my life. I mean, we have friends. My wife and I have couples we go out with that we're really close to, and we're. But it's kind of. I don't. I don't sit there and think they're friends, but they're friends. That's weird. Yeah, you mm. just threw me for that a loop on that one. Yeah, it's kind of funky. And uh, but so what? So if we if we had an opposite gender, opposite sex relationship, are these statistics the same there? No, it's totally different. Okay. And uh, that's where it gets kind of awkward. That's where it gets messy. Um, and, and just before we get into that, having friends is very important. Uh, Julianne Ludstead here on campus yeah. uh, with uh, BYU's uh, Family Health Department. Yeah, or family, family Development. Family uh, she, Human Development. Something. She found that if you have few friends, your mortality risk is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes yeah. a day. So having opposite sex uh, friends is good for your health. Unless you're married, then you'll probably die. Uh, You will be murdered. They're still researching that. Because according to Gottman, we need to have boundaries. So that's where you start putting boundaries like, you know, and I personally just believe we ought not have opposite gender friends if you're married. And they call me mm -hmm. old school, but the reality is – because if all of a sudden – what are the attraction levels? If all of a sudden I have a really good friend that's an opposite sex – and and I'm attracted to her, and she laughs at every joke, where my wife may not laugh anymore because she's heard them all. Well, you should get some new jokes, first of all. Well, don't be rude. Okay, you're no longer my friend. <laughs> well, that just happened. You've been unfriended. Check, so there was check, some research done. Check that. Facebook. And yes. it basically found that women, women, well, let me read it to yeah. you. So this was done in, I want to say, 2004, 2003. Researchers, they brought in 88 pairs of, this is college age, yeah. kids, undergraduate, opposite sex friends into a science lab. And then they said, okay, you know, we're going to sit you down and you got to promise not to talk to your friend after. Because you can imagine if, if yeah. somebody admitted, oh, you know, oh, I'm yeah. really into yeah. you, how that would ruin oh, that a would friendship. Ruin so they fi- uh, followed scientific protocol, anonymity, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they took them separately oh, and then oh. they asked them, okay, how do you feel about your opposite sex yeah. friendship? And it was really funny. Men were were much more attracted to their female friends than vice versa. Men really? were also yeah. more likely uh, than women to think that their opposite friends were attracted to them also. Interesting. Mm. In fact, men <laughs> estimates of how attractive they were to their female friends had virtually nothing to do with how these women actually felt. <laughs> And almost everything to do with how the men's themselves or the Feeling. men them, themselves felt. So men are delusional, right? Optimistic, and, uh, but but optimistically delusional. But in the opposite, uh, you know, spectrum, women were blind to the mindset of their opposite sex. Like you had, had no idea he they was were warm totally, for your form. Yeah, they had. They were totally naive to that. And okay, uh, that let's just attribute John Gottman again attributed it. That's the testosterone halo. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you have I don't know like a hundred times more testosterone on board. You think, I'm pretty sure she wants me. And she's thinking, hmm, I wonder what's for dinner. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that's what these results suggest, that, that uh, men kind of have a hard time being just friends. Yeah. And again, it's, I think, because we have this testosterone on board saying, she's, she's pretty. She's, mm-hmm. she's a potential mate. Your brain is going to basically go for three things, fight, flight, or mate. 
your brain's going to ask three basic questions. Is this a threat? Uh, is Can I eat it for dinner? And can I mate with it? That's all you care about. That's horrible. That, and by the way, a lot of women are like, that is the male brain. You know, and this is, this is stereotyping because when I look back, I feel like I've had very successful uh, opposite sex friendships. Very platonic. I would love to interview just, them uh, and clarify you know, that because I'm pretty sure you're wrong. But did you feel that attraction towards them though? No, I can say I, cool. I wasn't. Hmm. Um, no, but I think if you're not attracted, I think it's a different game if neither of you are attracted to each other. But the problem is you got a 50-50 shot, right, of one of you likey the Mikey, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I see the, I see it in this room all the time when we – usually we have you know, the same amount of females as we do males. And um, I watch all you single BYU students and I'm thinking, yeah, this is, this, these guys are going to start dating. Mm-hmm. And amazingly, none of you ever do. It's so funny that the same friendship can be experienced in a totally different yeah. way depending on from where it's coming from. That's right. I agree. And I think that, that those kind of friendships can be successful. Yeah. And you can tell me if, if I'm wrong about the, if you, you know, take these three tips into account. You understand where the friendship, what the friendship needs are, you yeah. know, and you communicate your intentions about the friendship, number two. Yeah. And um, I guess uh, number three is what I call <laughs> only stay with the fair trades, meaning that uh, sometimes both friends are slowly or they're looking to, to love and commitment, you know, but you got to sure. be on the same page. No, you do. Well, and, and again, it's, this is a day and age where it was never expected that you'd have an opposite gender friend for life. But now you're in a day and age where that's happening. Yeah. It's still, I think, kind of strange because my number one loyal partner would be my wife. If I had a loyal friend that I've known longer that gets me more and we're already best friends, then I might start giving that friend stuff, information, access to my heart, right? data that I would never tell my wife. What happens when I turn to my best girlfriend – to talk about my wife. Mm, it's just, trouble. I think you're setting yourself situation, up. Yeah. So that's a boundary I would just kind of watch out. And I think eventually your wife won't have, you, she won't have that. So men and women, can they be just friends? Short answer? I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's because the men. If we ask mm-hmm. Meg, of course it is. Meg always says it's because <laughs> yeah. the men. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Wow. Good research. Um, you, again, you out there in listener land, you can make up your own mind. But it's just a little food for thought. You know, we're not John Gottman. We're just a bunch of punks. We're going to take a break, though. And Julie K. Nelson in the house sporting some um, baked goods as well as some incredible information about parenting and just being an all-around good person. Plus, it looks like she got to talk to John Gottman. So dream come true. She's now a friend of the show again. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Right back with Julie Nelson right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, in the house, Julie K. Nelson from A Spoonful of Sugar. 
No parenting. Oh, sorry. A spoonful of parenting.com. <laughs> She's in the house. Now, before we go to you, Julie, yeah. uh, I don't know if you heard the latest news. What? Um, Michael Bond, no mm-hmm. relation to James, had dated hundreds of thousands of people. I heard the Mikey, the Likey the Mikey yeah. campaign. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's apparently worked. Yeah. And he has a new friend. We won't name her name, but she called in and said but the show he is fantastic. Picture. He showed me your picture. Has he? Yeah. Yeah. Don't believe the pictures because you can't trust Mike in pictures because um, he always pulls them out of his wallet, but they're really the, the picture that came with the wallet. And um, But here's the cool thing. He just, without meaning to, I think it was just his heart speaking. He just said, so my girlfriend just called. And we and, all paused. And we all paused. And, and he, she said the show's really going well and it's incredible. So just, I won't give her name, but friend of Mike, you're now his girlfriend. He said it in public. He said it in private, but we've just made it public, which is what we do on this show. <laughs> we take all things private and we make them public. That's right. So Julie Kay, you're the queen. You're the masters of arts out teaching people about relationships and parenting mm-hmm. and how not to hurt each other. And you have, let's just be real, an infatuation yeah. with Dr. John Mordecai Gottman. That is right. I mean, when you heard he was going to be on the show, you thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I got to be there. I'm going to be there early. I said, Maddie, I'm coming and I'm talking to him because I have worshipped the man for years. Yeah. I was hyperventilating on my email. Wow. Yeah. How do you spell that? Yeah. How do you spell hyperventilating? I know how to spell the word. Anyway. I actually spelled the word out, and Maddie wrote me back and said that was the funniest email she's ever seen. Well, Maddie forgot I was to tell drool- us. I was drooling all over the email. Because when you came in and we said, well, we, he's already gone, you were yeah. like, what? 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 She told me I was going to talk to him. So yeah, we I threw a fit. I saw, wires got crossed. It's the first time I've seen a it was diva Mike, fit. It was Mike's problem because he's in love. Mike's, yeah, Mike's in love. And you're both in love. Really. I think we're all in love. Mm-hmm. This um, is totally unrelated, but these treats you brought in, so good. They sound very good, and I'd, I wish you'd quit bringing <laughs> Thanks, it up until the show is well, done. Well, they were my bribe for Maddie, but she's not here today. But I guess I'm going to let the rest of you pigs have some. Hey, Julie, can we just be clear? Uh, on this show, there's really only one Maddie that matters. <laughs> it's Maddie Richards. Not Matt Townsend. It's Maddie Townsend. Hey, um... What are you going to teach us today? Hey, you know, there was a great article in The Atlantic this week that uh, reviewed Gottman's research. It's on my Facebook page. Yeah, and Masters of Love. And he, he referred to Masters, and it's because his research showed him early on there's Masters and Disasters. Yeah. And so he studied them both to see what common characteristics do these couples have. Uh-huh. And I just want to go over this great article and some things that I teach as well in my, my marriage class. So would you consider yourself a master or a disaster. Oh, my gosh. Because your husband has called and told me <laughs> the real answer. So go what ahead. What did he say? I'm not going to tell you. You go first. Okay. We're masters from oh. day one. Okay. Yeah. What, what's your husband's name? Because I think I got a different caller. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You probably are masters, though, for real. No, we really are. And we had a long, long courtship. And did you? Yeah. And so it was pretty dang solid for before we even got married. Is that he was in prison? Yeah. And so you I were wrote him, a pen pal? I, it, it was... <laughs> That's great. I wrote him every week. That's so sad. I've never met your husband. And, but he, I know he listens because he always critiques you after. Yeah. That's great. And says, be nicer to Matt is what he says. Totally. Because uh-huh. you're kind of rude sometimes. <laughs> but um, we love that. It is, uh, so you're a master. And a master would then mean you have mastered some of the art of yeah. 
loving your partner. Yeah, and this article in particular, and we're just going to focus on one thing, was on kindness. And it came out of this book, What Makes Love Last, his his latest book on building trust in mm. relationships. So it's kindness and trust. And so just briefly, you know, one of the studies that he did was one of the hallmark ones was in the Love Lab yeah. in Washington, right? Um, in 1990, he brought these newlyweds in. He had 130 of them, and he just asked them, and they had cameras on them, and he said, act natural. Now, that's hard to do, <laughs> right, when you're wired up? Yeah, totally. I mean, because he wires up to find out what their heart rate is. You know, Are they going to perspire? And all these types of things. Um, but he said, um, surprisingly, he, he stopped being surprised at how natural people are after a while. Really? And, and they do put on an act a little bit, but still, you cannot, pre- you cannot fake your um, physiological yeah. reaction oh, to no. your spouse. No, totally. And even though who are looking calm with each other still, their heart rate's going up because they feel, oh, yeah. they feel that you're going to attack me at any moment. And, and what's funny is you can read that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the minute, and then my heart rate would match yours. So if I thought that you were about to stab me with your pencil, mm-hmm. I'd know that. <laughs> so he, so from that and, and multiple other researches that he's done, but this really was, um, gave us so much concrete evidence. And so what I want to talk about today from this article and from uh, what I teach in my marriage class is what, uh, 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 something that our listeners out there can start doing today yeah. to bring that kindness and that trust back in their, their marriage. And that is what's called um, bids, a bid, uh, bid and turn. And you know about this, I Matt. love bids, but, keep, but teach it okay, like so I don't. Bids, so the long term is bids for emotional connection is what he calls it. A bid. Uh-huh. Now, a bid is where you can have something that is verbal, nonverbal. But you're asking your partner to pay attention to something that's important to me at that time. I'm asking yeah. for it's it's like in you know it's in like my, an invite. It's a it's, gesture. It's a gesture, and kids do it all the time. But they're more overt. They say, "Mommy, mommy, look at me, mommy, mommy," yeah. and you're like, "Stop!" Yeah. You know, because they do it all day long. A partner is not going to be so obvious. Yeah, more subtle. Because I don't want to get rejected. Right. You know, kids are okay. Yeah. Um, but they don't. So I'm going to not be so. I'm not sure if I'm safe with you. So I'm going to do like little hints. Of this is something important, and so maybe pay attention if you could, yeah. please, you know, or, or whatever it might be that I'm sending you a signal. Yeah. Okay. So that's what a bit is. And, and it's a, so, so it's a signal mm-hmm. that you need me to connect, to connect and be mm-hmm. validating in that moment. Yeah. And if I don't get the signal, it's a missed bid. Mm-hmm. But if I if I see the bid and then I honor the bid, mm-hmm. so the bid could even be something as subtle as, I mean, I'm not. What's an example? It's like where you say something that diminishes you and you give them a chance to fix it. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, not every meal I make is perfect. Mm -hmm. That's a bid. And they're like, no, babe, you make the best meals in the world. Absolutely. That's now me bidding back. That's that's me receiving the bid. And what John Gottman would say is that you just turn toward. Mm -hmm. So you have three choices. And he calls these the sliding doors. Have you ever saw that movie with Glenneth Paltrow where she chooses a sliding door to go through? And the movie's brilliant because she goes through one door and, and her life ends up in diff, going in one direction. Yeah. And they go back and then she, if she had chosen the other door, her life went in a totally different direction. Oh, interesting. And so they show those two de- juxtapositions. Of, is, that of the, her. is that the one at the end where he has a tell? <laughs> Oh, no. Sorry. No, that's no, no. So basically you're choosing <laughs> which door to go through, door A, B, or C. Am I going to turn – and here's the three doors. Am I going to turn towards, like you just said? Yeah. Hey, babe, you know that? You, no, you're, you're the best. So yeah. You're the best at making meals. Or turn away 
or turn against. So those are my three ways that I can respond to. And he saw this in his study with those 130 yes. newlyweds. And、um, they might be silly and seem minor at the time, but they re- reveal a lot about the health of the relationship. Because let's say, for instance, the husband's looking outside. This is what the article says this the, he's a bird enthusiast and he notices a bird flying across the yard. And he might say, Hey, look at that beautiful bird outside. Now, he's not really commenting on the bird per se. He's requesting a response from、that's、his wife to, show, to share an experience that's important to、yeah. him a sign of support, hoping they'll connect somehow over a bird. But it's more about the relationship than the bird. Now, she has a choice she can turn towards.、Yeah. What would she say that would be a turn towards?、Uh, oh, yeah, that is a pretty. Oh, and there's another one. Look、mm-hmm. at that one.、And、even though she、sharing. doesn't care one iota about、yeah. birds. Even if, the, she, yeah, even if he's about to shoot it. Birds are stupid, but he loves birds. But、yeah. she knows that's important to him.、Mm-hmm. So she stops her world, like, like、yeah. Dr. Gottman said, stop your world for that moment and make that connection. I have a,、mm-hmm. I have a brother-in-law that, li- that loves cows. <laughs> and he can recognize every type of cow there is. I don't know if they're types. I don't know what they're. But he can recognize every different kind. And if he said, oh, there's an old Milwaukee <laughs> milker. Whatever they're called. My, if my sister turns and says, Oh, yeah, oh, that's a pretty one.、Mm-hmm. Should, that's a turn toward, right? That's right. Even though she can't articulate. And, and she may not care she about may not old care, Milwaukee. But at least、oh, she turned. And、know. usually it's a, it's a physical turn as well. It's not like I'm looking down on my paper and going, Yeah, right, great, yeah, great, la, honey. La, la. Great, honey. That's almost a turn away. Yeah. Because if I don't make eye contact and I'm still looking down at my book and I go, Yeah, honey, that's great, that's a turn away, actually. Yeah. To turn toward is actually, I, I physically look at you and say, make some kind of connection. I give you mind space.、Mm-hmm. You, I let you into my mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. And so,、um, so the, turn, the turn toward、mm-hmm. seems like the easy one, or, or the healthy one,、mm-hmm. but the hardest probably to do, especially like if you're busy and you've got Facebook on and、mm-hmm. you're making cookies for the show.、Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. <laughs> That's right. And so you would have maybe a turn against where the Uh, wife would say, Stop interrupting me. I'm、yeah. reading.、Ooh. So it's hostility. Yes. I don't care about your dang birds.、Yeah. I've told you that before. It's just a cow. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> right. Yeah, right, 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 right.、Yeah. So turn towards, Matt, tends to lead to more bids. Yes. And more co- co- positive connection. It's not just that one, but it, 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 it kind of.、Uh-huh. It's goodwill.、Snowballs. So it starts to create、the、that.、Uh, oh, we got to go. It started to create that bank account、mm-hmm. of goodwill, and then we'll use it again. Hang on. We've got to come back. Yeah. So we're talking bids and turns.、Mm-hmm. Again, more of Gottman's great work,、mm-hmm. but it couldn't be handled better than in the hands of Julie K. Nelson, a spoonful of parenting. She's just the bomb. The mom bomb is what we call her.、Um, we'll be right back. More with Julie right here on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we today talking love, relationships, and、uh, in the house, we have、um, the leader of the John Gottman、um, fan club. Fan club.、Mm-hmm. D- Julie, now, Julie. If、serious. you had a poster, I'd have it in my bedroom. 
Okay, right? that's awkward. <laughs> Julie K. Nelson, the author of Spiritual... Parenting. Parenting. With, with spiritual power. Yeah, that's a lot of words, spiritual, in the name of the book. Mm-hmm. And sp- Parenting with Spiritual Power, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, it's interesting how spiritual Gottman is. Oh, he's very... Yeah. Well, he's Jewish. He's, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But you could get like... He, there's just this spirituality about yeah. relating to other human beings. Absolutely. It's so powerful. Well, he talks about grace and he talks yeah. about all those those attributes that are kind of, you know, religiously oriented. And, you know, Aaron got a free yeah. consultation. That was like, pff, Aaron, 500 bucks. You it's just totally saved. weird. And then I thought what was weird is off the phone, he's going to give him blood work and a bunch of other stuff because <laughs> Aaron had some moles he needed checked out. I was going to actually talk to you, Matt, about like marriage counseling, but I have it all figured out now. Yeah, now so. you got it. I'll Sorry. still look at the moles, though, if you need me to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Julie, bids mm. and turns. Yeah. You know, we talked about making that positive connection and that one bid leads to more yeah. positive interactions. It's um, something where they, this research has shown that then you open up to humor. You open oh, up yeah. to reading your partner's signals more. Yeah. And attunement. so that we're now you're attunement into attunement. In. Yeah. yeah. That's what you're doing. You're getting on the same channel. And... Um, the the study that he um, had with his 130 couples showed that the um, bidding interactions had profound effect on marital well-being. Couples who had divorced after a six-year follow-up from his initial yeah. research, right, had turned toward bids only 33% of the time. Hmm. So they were only three out of 10. They were responding to their partner's bids. These are the ones that are divorced six years later, right? Yeah. For emotional connection, there wasn't there was a deficit. Now- those who are still together after six years, guess how much they had responded to their partner's bids? 80%. Yeah, even more. Nine out of 10 times. Wow. So almost 90% of See, those couples. Simple, simple arithmetic yeah, shows. Yeah, that's a lot of attention. See, yeah. So think about – that's our problem. And especially with all this new, uh, this new technology, this newfangled technology. Because now all of a sudden I'm, I'm busy mm-hmm. killing deer on yeah. Deer Hunter 2014. Yeah. And it's going to ruin your marriage. In six years, I predict. Yeah, at this rate. <laughs> yeah. And so if you're so busy for that and then my wife does a bid and I don't hear the bid, then you're, if you're the ones that are divorcing, 30% of the time, that's, they're only picking up 30% of the bids. Yeah. That's scary. And it's scary because you have more and more demands now. We have, I mean, I can't tell you how, how dismayed I am to see couples who are going out to dinner and they're both looking at their phones. Oh, yeah. And there's there's no uh, none of that reading that that yeah. I can see what your your channel is and mm-hmm. I'm attuned to it, and Gottman with these types of interactions this is what's amazing the the math of it is just it's genius this is why I worship him okay can, he can predict up to about ninety four percent certainty whether a couple will be broken up together and unhappy or together and happy several years later by just those bids and turns that's amazing yeah. I mean, that's so if, if you think of that, that's all you probably need to focus on, because mm-hmm. at least that's going to open up the conversations. Yeah. And then if you can talk in those conversations, mm-hmm. how many times have I had a client come in where the wife is done? She's done. And the guy's like, what? It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> He's missed bids for years. Yeah. So she's done. Yeah. And then he'll start getting it and bidding. 
But that's the deal. You can't you can't sleep through this. No. Mm. And that's what moments are made up of. of li- life is made up of moments, yeah. right? Life is made up of moments. And moment by moment, you're sharing, you're making a shared history together. Yeah. And I have to be able to trust you with what's important to me. If I don't, then those who turn away or turn against, what he finds is that the partner feels isolated and rejected and they rarely rebid. Yeah. And we're just two strangers living in a house. Strangers in the night. Uh-huh. And so this is what you want to build your life on are those moment by moment shared history. So how do you how do you build trust? He says in very small moments. It's always it's always mm-hmm. when you think about it you can only live in a moment. Mm-hmm. Right? So the only way you could fix the marriage is in the moment. But what happens is we're so caught up in the moment from 10 years ago when you said that one thing that was so rude. <laughs> and when you say the rude thing I'll never let it go. But then you're just hanging on to a past moment, but and you hold on to it like it's equal to the moment right now, but you miss the bid. Yeah. 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 So here's here's just some so – your listeners, maybe you want to do some practicing. Maybe these are something you might see today with your partner. And it doesn't have to be with a partner, a spouse. It can be with your children. It can be with a family member, a friend. Yeah. But watch for those moments where they're bidding, and it might be just a simple thing like they just come and put their hand on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Do you just ignore it or do you turn to him and say, hey? Or do you turn like, what the? Yeah. Get your hand off of me. Right, yeah. <laughs> see, that's, see, this is what I hear a lot. Not mm-hmm. from my wife. Let's be very clear about that. But because um, everyone's like, oh, your wife, your poor wife. But what if she's like, oh, I know what he wants. He only touches me mm-hmm. when he wants one thing. Now that's a different issue. Now see, that's, but, like, but if I do a yeah, bid and yeah. then she misinterprets it, yeah. that would be really a turn away yeah. or a but turn see, against. Yeah, but see, there should be lots more bids beyond what's going on right oh, yeah. before you go. You know, no, you, but I'm talking anywhere. Yeah, so yeah. all of a sudden these couples that are so hurt, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they become negative interpreters yeah. and then they misinterpret the bid. Yeah. That once we're misinterpreting the bid, that's a sign we're sliding. And I see couples as well who he does. He he makes some kind of gesture right before bedtime. And she's like, what? Yeah. And you've ignored me the whole we entire day? We haven't con- Exactly. Yeah. So this is what the bids and turns. It's, it's, it's having all day long. foreplay it's all constantly, day. Constantly, yeah. 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 And so, you know, here's, here's an example. You're at the computer and your wife comes and sets down a drink next to you. What do you do? I drink it. <laughs> That's right. What else would I do? That's called turn away because you didn't acknowledge her at all. Oh, I should have said thank you, you for the beverage. You should turn at least make eye contact, not just stay, stay looking at the computer screen and going, hey, thanks, hon. Mm. But you turn at least for two seconds yeah. and say thank you. And that might lead to something else. It may not. Yeah. But well, the at least point, you'll quench your, bev- your, your The point thirst. is, you know what? The probability of her doing that again is much higher than yeah. if you ignore or if you say something turn against, which would be... Hey, don't set that there. That's on top of my papers or, you know. If we spill that, you'll yeah, ruin yeah. the computer. Where's the coaster? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the hostility. Okay. So here's another one. Mm. You're eating breakfast together and your husband says while he's reading the newspaper, oh, no, I can't believe this. Oh, there's a bid. And you just keep eating your cereal, right? That's turn. Yeah. You should say. That's turn what? Which one? That would be turning away. You're ignoring. Turning away. Right? Yeah. Now. You, I would say, mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Tell me. What? And I would put everything down right. and I'd go sit by her. No, that wouldn't. I would just say, what? 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 Turn against would be, I don't have time. Don't tell me. I got to get out of here. I don't want to hear about what's yeah. going on in the news today. Just keep it to yourself. Yeah. You know? what, what if she doesn't say, what, is, this a, is this a bid? Tell me. <gasps> is that a bid? That's a bid. Because they drive me nuts. <laughs> that bid makes me freak out because that to me means i've been hurt 
I have a knife in me. <laughs> or somebody just ran what over some child. What is she doing child. while she makes that noise? Oh, it could be anything. Mm. It, if she just got an email from a friend, <gasps> Heather's in town. <sighs> yes. But I startle every time. Yeah. So what? let's do this one. She gets an email and she goes, oh, mom's coming to visit. And you go... You heck, do that one more time. Heck no, I hate your mother. See, but that one of the interesting things is I might react uh-huh. because I'm startled now. So she, I've got this startle reflex on, and she <laughs> wants me to say, "What is it, dear? What is it? Is there a monster?" The reality is, there's going to be a day we're going to have a guy in our house with a knife, ready to kill someone, and I'm going to be ignoring her because <laughs> she has made the startle noise like, too many times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Do you say, honey, what is it? What What is it? And then she says, mom's coming to town. And you say, I, I love, perfect. love it. Or if she gasps, you're like, mm. asthma? <laughs> do you need your nebulizer? Now, how does your wife put up with you is what she I want to know. She doesn't. That's the problem. She just listens to me on the radio and then I go home and she's mad. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Well, watch those bids. Okay, so here's my bids next one. Bids are great. The next one. Yeah, let's do this one. This happens a lot with couples. Okay. Husband comes through the door at the end of the day. He's been worked down to the bone. He looks tired and mm. haggard. Doesn't say a word, but yeah. he just looks like looks, he's been beat down all like day Juan. long. Yeah. Right now. Launch law school's ripped him up. That's mm-hmm. right. Tired, exhausted. Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you walk through the door and he just looks downcast. Yes. Okay. End of the day. You have had a day as well, right? Tough. Yeah. Kids are great, crazy. Mm-hmm. Dinner's on the stove. You have had a day. So he comes to the door and he's like, what do you do? Is he bidding? You're both bidding, right? It's a, it's a, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a bid of exhaustion. Yeah. Now, now you put aside, this is what John <clears throat> Gottman says, use some grace. There you go. Put aside your, I need you to tell me about how great I am at this very moment. Yeah. And, you know, just to focus on me all the time. But instead, look at your partner. This is not a 50-50. Yeah. If we is... look at marriages, oh, I do 50, you do 50, oh, yeah. then we're, both of us are going to fail. Yeah. But I set aside my feelings of exhaustion and say, honey, how was your day? And then you just wrap them up in your arms mm-hmm. and you just both decompress because guess what happens? Yeah. When you give it, you get it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it... that way you're meeting your needs as well. And that, that synchrony of your heart's beating and that emotional release, it's a physiological change. And you both just sit there for about 15 seconds and go, <sighs> I love you. Thank you so much for what you do. He says it back, and you've both been nurtured. What if, what if he's like, so what's for dinner? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, or Because the other thing I'm thinking as I hear this is um, that's the attunement. Because then she has to know, should I – do I need to ask? Because he may not want to talk about it. And her – so the bid is his exhaustion. Well, you can say, do you want to tell me about your day? You can ask that. Yeah. But mostly it's just a long embrace at the end of the day. Yeah, not saying I'm waiting for him to embrace right. me and ask me about my rotten day yeah, yeah. before I'm not going to ask. You know, my day was way worse than his. The and then you're off. Then you're tallying <clears throat> score. Yeah. Then you're both doomed. That's right. This, you make the gesture first and then you see that he has a bid and then your bid is met in return. Mm. And that's that connectedness that just kind of snowballs. Yeah. And that's what Gottman says is that it just meets and then you start talking about it. and he's like, "Honey, but you look tired too. What happened with you?" And so then you get this hum this yeah. humble approach yeah. rather than this prideful, "Well, I'm going to wait till he says something right. about then, what I've been doing." And now we can be healthy together. Yeah. That's heaven right. forbid. <laughs> yeah. That's great. It's grace. Yeah. Bidding. So trust and kindness in relationships is about watching that bid and responding to it. Did you um did you just see one 
twirl his finger. Mm-hmm. Fing- you know what that means? That means wrap it up, Well, Julie. that's a bid. No, it's not that's a bid, That's a professional actually. bid. Well, he's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> no, he's saying wrap it up. That oh, was his bid to see. stop talking. That was good. And you guys turned away. <laughs> good job. We did. I'm turning towards you now. Well done. Seriously. Julie. It's, it's like you've... It's like you've studied this. Oh, I teach it and I love it because it's such concrete stuff. Yeah. And those who have doomed relationships don't know how to attune themselves to their partner's signals. They no, can't no. read them. Yeah. They've stopped reading it because they're too busy reading their texts. Yeah. So start reading your partner instead of the phone and the dang computer. So that's a, that's a good test. Like, let's, like, so mm-hmm. try today to, to send five bids to your spouse, mm-hmm. overt bids. Mm-hmm. And try to find five bids that your spouse sent. That's right. And respond. And you can talk about the end of the day and say, honey, this is what I did. Let's, and then kind of reteach each other what yeah. your bids were and how they responded. Oh, yes. Talk about it. Julie K. Nelson. Don't just expect they can read your mind. No. That's right. We're not mind readers. Mm-mm. We're not. You're right. By the way, spoonfulofparenting.com. They've yeah. got to go there. Yeah. And get the book, uh, Parenting with Spiritual Power. Yes. A must read mm-hmm. on the Matt Townsend list. We're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, our own Aaron, who's about to get married in eight days. Couples that never would have made it. We're talking about couples that never had a chance. And I don't know why he wanted to do that, but he did. Um, this is the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking love and marriage right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. This is the bumper music to my show today, and uh, they had to tell me that this was my bumper music. That's how in tune we are. What's appropriate? It's totally, baby, don't hurt me. Yeah, what is love? Well, what is love? What is it? Juan, you're the only one that hasn't given us one answer. I love this song. I don't think the song answers it either. It's just asking the question. What what is love, Juan? Love is being done with your first year of law school. Yeah, Yeah. That's for sure. And then can somebody give Mike some insulin? Because I think he's having a seizure back there. <laughs> Uh-oh. Is that what you were doing, Mike, or were you dancing? He was trying to dance, but... I was lip syncing. flopping around. What was happening to your body? That was what was scaring me. I don't know. I didn't see. That's why we call him Flappy. <laughs> Flappy the Jittery Boy. Is that his new nickname? That's his new nickname. Flappy. Flappy. Put that on a meme. He's a flappy bird. Hey, um... That's a fun game. Great game. Yeah. So uh, as we kind of wrap up the show on love today, you know, we're, we've had all these smart people on, right? Because I'm up there with John Gottman. You are. You are <laughs> up there. You're not just up there. Not. You're running his fan club. Yeah, true. You're <laughs> that doesn't make me his equal. <laughs> I can just see you as like a, a 16-year-old girl talking like this. I'm a groupie. <laughs> at, the John, oh. at the John Gottman fan club. <laughs> That's so real. No, I've just studied his research. His, I know. his research is brilliant. See, nobody gets. Nobody, unless you've been into it like deeply, you don't get. Mm-hmm. He's the real deal. Yeah, and he makes it so accessible. You cuz love is so undefinable. Yeah. And emotion is, but he makes it so definable through research of this is what predicts good marriages and it's which, awesome. Which is why the idea of divorcing is kind of crazy to me because unless you know what he's taught, and unless you know the skills he's taught, don't divorce yet. Mm-hmm. Go learn mm-hmm. the skills. Then use the skills to decide. 
then you can divorce. Mm-hmm. Well, we're divorcing informed. With that, as someone who hasn't read any of his research, where do I start with that? I what would, should I do? I would go to my website, matttownsend.com, and um, let me guide you mm, Nice there. plug. Thank you. I would, no, but seriously. I would start getting his books. I would start, I would start with the seven, seven principles. principles. Mm-hmm. It's just an easy, tiny, little, easy book to read. Mm-hmm. And, and then he's going to start getting into communication skills. The big key is, like he's saying, recognize it. Recognize you're having the emotional flood, the moment. Mm-hmm. Bid in, get into each other, and then get when you lean in towards each other, then you have to have communication skills for how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Then you'll probably end up making a rule so we don't do this again. We learn, mm-hmm. or we'll make a ritual so we can kind of prevent it. And then, then that's basically what I teach in my stuff is it's always a rule, mm-hmm. a ritual, or a real conversation. Everything's mm-hmm. going to come down to one of those. And the, once you have those barriers up, mm-hmm. then it's just every time you see, then keep enhancing. Yeah, and we talk in my marriage class. We talk about conflict resolution, and every, it, what's so brilliant about this is that uh, you look at couples and think, "Oh, well, they're doing great, so they must not have any conflict." Every marriage has conflict. The ones that are healthy know yeah. how to deal with the conflict, and sure. so one of the things he talks about is what's the, when you have a conflict is a soft startup rather yeah. than a hard startup because uh, conversations will end the way they start. So you learn how to start. And then that will predict the way it ends. Mm-hmm. Another thing he talks about is escalation. When things yeah. start to escalate in a conflict, what do you do? And then the brilliant one of all is the four horsemen. Yeah. And that is uh, – it's wonderful. See, it's that's – It's the four, the four qualities that, that are part of a unhealthy marriage. And he's, he's, char- he's characterized the four. Like? Stonewalling, contempt, criticism, that kind of stuff. And so those are like the four horsemen that are of so the apocalypse. So you got to watch these horses mm-hmm. of the apocalypse. Yeah. The, that, that will, it's ending. It's ending. Your marriage is doomed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the, those are some of the signs he's reading yeah. for that would pretty much say ninety five percent. Well, we end up in marriage. Uh-huh. This one's not going to work because yeah. boy, they bring on the apocalypse. Yeah. Um, so I just go start reading his books, and then if I mm-hmm. if I had the money, I would go to one of his classes. But I would mm-hmm. take my canoe. Well, yeah, you I got to fit go in with without a else. canoe. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe the president of the fan club here can recommend a canoe for <laughs> she me. She actually, yeah, she they, have, they, they have a John I don't, Gottman see, canoe. I don't even know. <laughs> you can get the canoe. Yeah. But get his books. And um, okay, so what are we doing now, Aaron? We're doing something, aren't we? Yeah. Okay. This well, is this is I guess you know what couples I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. This is gonna be fictional with Disney characters. Okay. Oh, okay, great. If you guys have any ideas, throw yeah. them in. Okay. I was thinking though, and I got some pretty funny ones. I mean <laughs> I don't know how many movies you've seen of Disney, Matt. Four. I've seen four. Four? Okay. Yeah. Well you do you recognize Dory? Oh yeah. And then mm-hmm. Flounder, he's older from Little Mermaid. Yeah, yeah. Those two pairs. Yeah. Mm. Well, Dory likes sharks, and little yeah. flounder's afraid of them. Well, sure. So that would have been an explosive relationship right yeah, there. Yeah, that never would have I mean, worked. I mean, the opposites attract? Yeah. Or would it, would it have worked out, Matt? Well, I think, I bet you one of them would have been gutted by a shark, and then it would have been Okay. Over. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I, no, I don't know if we should use the word gutted. Well, it's eviscerated. accurate. Yeah. So that, that sounds sad. So that one wouldn't work. I don't think that would work. No. Exactly. Hmm. And now, okay, we're going to keep moving on. Hades from Hercules, mm. Ursula from Little Mermaid. They, okay, they would feed off each other so much. Ooh. Their evilness, yeah. their more morbidity, everything. I think they would end up probably doing something crazy. I don't know. What do you think, Julie? Don't you think that'd be more of a power couple oh, situation? Yeah. I, think they, I think they do very well together. They could take over, rule the universe. Yeah. This is the thing, though. Would, I think they could take yeah. over the world. Okay. Does Ursula the have the voice or not? Ursula oh. has a great voice. But doesn't she lose the voice? No, she's got a... I thought she wanted Ariel's voice. Well, she did take it, didn't she? Yeah, so does she get to keep the voice? Because that's a big part of it. If I was Hades, I couldn't handle listening to Ursula in her other voice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? 
I so I want to hear her with the beautiful. Well, voice. we need to know when they were dating and when the relationship yeah. started because uh-huh. you know that's it's all I relevant. Think, I think Hades would be hard to date. <laughs> He's dumb. kind of an egomaniac yeah. in a really sick way, but yeah. Ursula's more. I think she's more cuddly. By the way, she's got a ton of legs. That lady's leggy. <laughs> she's an octopus for crying out loud. Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. Here's some I think more. they could make it, but it, yeah. it would be hard. I feel like they would just explode from well, evilness. Might. You know, they yeah, she's, just, off she's a... just so colorful, and he's yeah. just kind of one dimensional. I just I don't know. Okay. They both want I, this... more power than each yeah. other. Yeah. That's yeah. the only problem. Yeah. They have, each other fine. up. Okay. Yeah. Now yeah. we have Hercules and Pocahontas. Uh. Hercules wants to be in charge of Greece. Well, at least he did. The movie yeah. kind of is different. But Pocahontas, she wants to be with each new color of the wind. They have different personalities. Yeah. Hercules wants a more stable, like he's a god. Pocahontas wants... She's adventurous. She's, She's adventurous. kind of an explorer. I think Hercules, I don't know. He has that trident that like kills people. I think you're thinking of uh, Little Mermaid's no, doesn't, father. Her, doesn't Hercules like throw um, thunderbolts? No, that's yeah. Zeus. Oh, that's Zeus. That that's the father-in-law. Oh, the that's son. a whole other. Did oh you? yeah, no, Herc, Herc and Poke. <laughs> this Herc and Poke, funny. they do fine together. Yeah. Oh, they'd be great. Right. But, but don't you think that John Smith would still want to just be a friend? Yeah, with Pocahontas, yeah, and that that could be trouble. But we've already learned that doesn't yeah. work, no, right? Well, that's yeah. the thing. That it but you trouble. know what? If I was Herc, I'd have my dad take care of him. But do you want to marry a god or a human? That's her choice. Then my wife had the same question. <laughs> and well, she's like, I guess I'll just go with a human. <laughs> she said, so I thought you were going to say so that sorry. she got the god. It was so, no, oh. it was so close. Yeah. So close. I have one more. Yeah. Right? This one's pretty dang good. We have Snow White, the queen, mm. and then Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Talk about <laughs> oh. a vanity overload. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. wouldn't those guys have issues? Do you think they would make it pretty good? <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Do opposites attract? I want to hear your guys' opinions. This is kind of the point of this all. Like sometimes they do, but if there's too much, well, of, I think they do attract. That's why men like women and women okay, like men. But deep, generally, there we go. But, but here's but the to deal. What point? But I, I think I think I think they do. But we, we think there's this this amazing like DNA, th- not the um, like what is it like pheromone thing going on underneath all of it where our body's saying, oh, I've got to have the opposite. But I don't think that's what happens. I think we just get all yearninged up with chemistry. Then mm-hmm. we want them. And then I think what happens is we fight so much that we actually make each other more opposite than we really are. So the one that mm-hmm. always spends the money has to fight with the one that always saves the money. And the one that always has to save it because they're always spending it. You're polarized. And we polarize mm-hmm. even more. Okay. I think that we do have a lot of couples that do very well in my marriage class. We talk about complementarity, where you complement the person in that I have this deficit, but you feel that. So we make the whole. When mm. we come together, we, 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 we complete each other. Yeah. And so I look at for somebody who maybe like, for instance, I'm more spontaneous. My husband's more deliberate. Those are good qualities, but not in by themselves isolated. So if you put them yeah. together and you moderate each other, that's a really good working couple. That's a good model. And that's one example example of how my husband and I complement each other, but we're very opposite. So mm. I kind of, he slows me down, I speed him up, you know, and yeah. we really work each, work well. You, it's like, and you complete each other. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Yeah. Um, well, we've got to go. That's the show. It's been a real, really great show. And it's I hope your listeners show. really loved hearing Dr. Common because he, go get his stuff. He's, He's the man, he the is, myth, the legend. Except interestingly, amazing. we may have another one. We, again, normal show tomorrow, right? Just a little recap of our best of for the week. But Monday... We got the man. We got Bronco Mendenhall. 
and his wife, Holly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. BYU's football coach, Holly, mm-hmm. the one who really leads the show. Both on the Matt Townsend Show Monday. So join us for that. Tons of good stuff. And remember, love, you know? Love. Serve. Care. Give. Trust. Powerful stuff. Thanks for joining us. Back tomorrow. More ideas. More tools to help you find the good in life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio.